So uh, I talked to John a few weeks ago and he talked about me coming down and, and uh, preaching here at his church. And as soon as I knew it was Polly's Island, I kind of jumped at the chance to come home again and to see so many friends and family. And he asked, what do you want to preach on? And my, always my favorite passage to preach on is the one I'm currently preaching at the time because it's in here. And uh, last year, really, um, uh, I decided to do a seven-week series in our church. Uh, our church's, <laughs> our average church attendance on a Sunday pre-COVID was about 1,400. So it's a huge church and it's, we always have things happening. And uh, one of the things that took place is uh, a few years ago, I lost, I've coached cross country at our local high school there and I lost one of my kids. Uh, and it sent me into trying to understand the 23rd Psalm. And then last year, very unexpectedly, uh, we lost my father because of COVID. He got it and he was gone a few days later. It's a heck of a thing to say goodbye to someone you love so much through an iPad. Uh, and not only that, but we were all experiencing these hardships. And so I decided I wanted to uh, preach on this 23rd Psalm thinking I knew everything there was to know about it. And once I began to dig beneath the surface, I realized everything I thought I knew about this passage was utterly wrong. Almost all of it. In fact, the beautiful thing about it was, is once I dug beneath the surface, I discovered all this treasure that I did not know was here in this passage. And I, my prayer this morning really is this is kind of a survey. I'm not going through the whole seven-week series here this morning, okay? It's just to kind of look at a few of the lines here. And my, my hope, my prayer is that when you leave here today, you will feel closer to the shepherd than when you came in. Uh, so let's look at this first part. It, up here it says, the Lord is my shepherd. And I kind of underscore that up here. And that is the idea is that it's not, David's not writing here that the Lord is a shepherd or the Lord is the shepherd. He's saying the Lord is my shepherd, which is meant to communicate that this is the, really this is the story of the Bible is that our, the story of the scriptures is our faith, our personal pronouns my Lord, my God, my shepherd, that God is close to us. He's not far off. He's close to us, and he, he knows us, and, and we know him. And it says here, you know, that gospel reading I just read, we know his voice, and we follow after him because he is the shepherd, my shepherd. The other part of this passage, probably the one you know, is up here where it says, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. And uh, I don't know about you, when we think of this line I did for years, most of us have this incredible idea of, let me put the picture up here, of luscious, green, leafy landscapes, okay? I mean, if you've ever been to any Christian bookstore and ever seen any Thomas Kincaid paintings, and they say, the Lord is my shepherd, it always looks like that, right? Uh, the Scottish Highlands, basically. But our image of what we think he was saying versus what he was actually looking at when he wrote this psalm could not be more stark, could not be more different. Let me show you this next one. This is what he was looking out at when he wrote the 23rd Psalm. We know this because we know the place that David would have traveled with sheep. Thousands of years later, we know this. And that is, at that day and age, just like today, 70% of Palestine is desert. Uh, there are no large, expansive, green pastures that would have even come close to filling this idea we have of 
he makes me to lie down in green pastures. And David was looking up at this uh, when he composed Psalm 23, a, a land that seems to lack everything. But here's the thing that's so interesting about this when I begin to, to look at this more closely. We know what we know from shepherds that have been, some, some of these shepherds have been in their family's history for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. That any really good shepherd will tell you when they are traveling, let me put this next picture up here. Um, they know which hills face on which side the Mediterranean wind blows. And that is the winds at nighttime, especially uh, when it cools down and the winds blow the humidity off the Mediterranean onto the hillsides. Uh, often, because the rocks are cooling, this condensation will develop on the rocks. And this condensation will kind of begin to trickle down into this rocky soil. And what happens is, let me put this next picture up here. These little green shoots just kind of grow up just here and there, kind of, you know, along the path. Not expansive, not in plenty, but just enough, we know now, for shepherds to be able to feed their sheep. So the idea is, is that they'll be going along this rocky stone, and the shepherd will lead them just one little place, and then they'll walk, you know, another dozen feet, and they'll get another piece of grass, and they'll just keep going along till they, till they get their fill. And it's, so it's very sporadic. Now, why is that important for us? And where is the kind of connective tissue? It's, it's from this point. All right, uh, put the picture up here. We much more prefer that, do we not? You know, prosperity, increase, abundance. What all the prosperity preachers love to talk about, okay? They love that. Uh, and they love that compared to this other picture up here. And that is, this is, what we, this is what we normally face. That's life. Because there's not, there's not enough grass on the hills of Palestine to get fat and happy. There just isn't. And here's the truth of the matter is, uh, I don't, you don't need to be a theologian to know this, that uh, it is easy to trust God when all is well and the wind is at your back and there's plenty of money in the bank account and everything's great. But what's being communicated here is that is not necessarily the way that God calls us to live. In fact, it says here that he will give us enough, enough to eat just to eat for that day for that day. And in case we forget, uh, Jesus taught us this in the Lord's Prayer, remember? Give us today our what? Our daily bread. bread. (laughs) Not weekly bread, not monthly bread, not padding our portfolio, you know, just enough for today. And here's the point of this. This is one of the major points that, again, I did not see this until I began to look at it, that the idea is that the the sheep have to stay close to the shepherd at all times because the shepherds know exactly where they need to take the sheep to be able to eat to survive. Because if they venture out on their own, they will find themselves alone and and unable to eat and they will die. And I had to change my thinking of this uh, because when I thought thought of the desert or the wilderness, I always thought this is a place that you never, ever want to be. But one of the great lessons of the Bible is in so many times, in so many places, we see this over and over and over in the scriptures that God seems to speak the loudest to people 
and seems to wake us up to the delusion that all is well is when he takes us out into the wilderness. Have some of you discovered that? Anybody here? Okay, good. I'm not alone here. All right. Um, When there's nothing around to distract us, there's nothing else that's demanding our attention, our allegiance. All we have is him. And when the people of God are out in the deserts because nothing else is distracting, they seem to hear from God the most. And I'll just bring up an example of this. When they're out in the wilderness, let me put this passage up here, Deuteronomy. Remember how the Lord, your God, led you on this long, long journey through the wilderness, allowing, get this, allowing hardships to test you. And why would he do that? So that you might know and he might know your character and whether you would depend on him. This is why this is important to remember. Uh, You know, I, I know some of you but I don't know most of you, but I can say this without fear of contradiction. I know, I know enough to know this. I may not know a whole lot, but I know this, that I know right now there are people here this morning. I know this for a fact, that uh, you're struggling. And you may feel like God has let you down. You may feel like your friends have let you down. You may feel like your community has let you down. You may even feel like a pastor. Heck, we let people down all the time. Um, if, you, if you were in that place or felt like you are in this place recently, I'm telling you, this psalm is for you. This speaks exactly to this because here is the message of this psalm. And this is why this is so incredibly therapeutic to me in some of the darkest moments of my life is that I realize in this that as we'll get through in just a minute here and as we're walking through this valley, that the, the, the huge overall message of this is that God will come alongside of us and he will sit and he will wait and he will walk with us through the valley as long as it takes. He'll sit with us, he'll wait with us and eventually when we're ready, he will lead us out of there. Because, and I want you to know, it's it's... It's okay to be in the wilderness because uh, you, will find, you will find God there. The other thing this passage says is he leads me in the paths of righteousness. And uh, another translation says it up here. Uh, he leads me along the right path. Now, again, this is very, very interesting to me. It was to me, you know, last year. I have been told from people who've actually been to the Holy Land and to Judea that particularly one account I heard was uh, he was flying over uh, hillsides where shepherds often take their sheep. And they were describing that if you, from an aerial view, you can look down and you see all these crisscrossing paths that kind of lead all over the place. And he was asking the person in the airplane, like, what is that? And he said, those, those are some of the trails that, that shepherds and people and animals and sometimes the weather kind of, kind of groove into the mountainside of the hillside. But what's so interesting, he went on to say, some of those trails lead to the right place, but some of those trails literally, literally lead to a dead end. Meaning, if the sheep lose track of the shepherd, they will go down a wrong path. 
and it will lead to these ravines and these cliffs and the sheep will literally fall to death, falling down these, these ravines. And there's actually, I told Angela, I was not gonna show this picture this morning. It's just too traumatic. There's a place where you can look down the bottom of a ravine and you can see hundreds and hundreds of carcasses and skeletons where, this is, where these, these animals have fallen to their deaths. And the idea here is over here is that uh, it's about keeping our eyes on the shepherd and not to go down the wrong paths. I mean, I have a, one of the greater blessings of my adult life. I didn't go looking for this. And we, once we lost that, I lost my kid, it opened up a whole ministry to me to younger people and I'm still very close to them. So I took 35 of them to Passion a couple of weeks ago, 35 college kids to Passion in Atlanta. And I'm constantly telling them, you think that path you're looking to go down is gonna to lead to life. And I'm telling you, is absolutely gonna to lead to death. You, you, and they, some of them said, I wish I listened to you, Pastor Jay, you know. But the path that Christ will lead you down will lead to life. Because look how stark that terrain is. Let me put this picture up here. Look how stark that is. Look how rugged that is. This is anything but user-friendly, okay? Uh, the shepherd has to lead us down just the right path. And the whole picture that Jesus is adding here is extraordinary because he's saying, uh, you heard it from the gospel reading, I am the good shepherd, and I want you to know I will lay down my life for you. I did lay down my life for you. And I am never going to ask you to go down a path that I haven't already gone down myself. And, you know, let me add here, just being... As I like to say to my church back in Bluffton, let me just put the skunk on the table, okay? Um, have you not discovered, though, that you're on these paths and you're following the shepherd? I'm smiling saying this, and yet part of me is crying underneath it. You're, you're, you're going down this path and you're following the shepherd, and you're saying to yourself, okay, where are we going here? Where are you leading me? Okay. Where, where, where are you taking me? And the reason why I think I had to correct this kind of erroneous thinking is that um, is because I had been taught for a long time, many, many years ago, that I always believed that God's goodness will always translate to earthly goodness. You know, that he'll always heal, he'll always deliver, they'll always, if I'm serving the Lord, there'll always be plenty of money in the bank account. No marriages will fall apart. No suffering under any circumstances ever. It just won't happen. Nobody loses their businesses. Nobody has experiences hardships. And that just is not true. Uh, in fact, Paul reminded us, and let me put this passage up here. He said, we will go through many hardships before we enter the kingdom of God. You know, 25 years ago, if you had talked to me, I was just a kid then, uh, I would have probably told you that my limited walk with journey with Christ, I would have probably said that most of my life is filled with grassy green slopes. And occasionally, occasionally I may be in the wilderness or deal with rough terrain. 
now that I've gotten older and been in a priest for two decades and walked with many people and, and experienced my own life, I've realized I think it's the opposite. That although, yes, there are seasons where there is surprising joy and wonderful blessing, much of life is a veil of tears, um, sadness underneath the joy. Which brings me to this passage here, though I walk to divide the shadow of death, probably the most well-known part of this psalm and one of the most famous parts in the entire Bible. Now, I got to put some humor in here to fit this in here. So I typed in on my Google search bar last year, yea, though I walk to the valley of the shadow of death. And occasionally what I'll do is I'll type that in and then I'll go to images. <laughs> I love this image. Put this image up here. This is what someone said this looked like, okay? Okay, if you can't see that, that is a goat walking through an embankment of alligators, I always laugh about this. I tell this to people all the time. You know, uh, people have told me in the past, JR, listen, you don't need to worry about money. You don't need to worry about, listen, God's got this. You're you're fine. Everybody who tells me that is rich. (laughs) Or if your health is failing, don't worry about it. Everybody says that is healthy. The people who talk to you the most and reach to you the most are people who have walked through something like that. And they said, I know what you're feeling. Not exactly, but I know enough to feel like you feel like you're surrounded. You're like, you're looking around, you're seeing stuff coming from every direction. But let me bring this back to this passage. Though I walk to the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Here's what I find very, very interesting about this. I, I looked a lot into this. This was fascinating to me. Um, one of the things that's terrifying for a sheep, and I'd say for any of God's people, is when you get lost from God or you, you can't see him or you can't feel him. And it talks about here being in the dark and what we know, I can't go into the details this morning, I'd like to, but we know what they would walk through this valley. It was called the Wadi Kelt. It's a famous place you walk right through. And we know at nighttime, there's these huge uh, rocks that go up really high and so it would block out the moon. It would be pitch dark almost. And I don't know if you've ever been in, in, in a time in your life. I remember when I was a younger child, I was in the, some caverns in Virginia. And we were down underneath. And they had turned all the lights I had off down there. And it, it, is, it is amazing when there's no light. You cannot even see the hand in front of your face. And if it's, if it's really dark, uh, you can't see anything. And you don't know what's in front of you. You don't know what's behind you. You don't know what's beside you. You don't know what you're going to walk into, what you're going to walk on top of. It can be terrifying. But what is so interesting about this passage, it seems to communicate this kind of darkness, and yet it also talks about shadows. And I, it's amazing, it is amazing that I miss this. How I miss this, I do not understand. But it suddenly dawned on me last year when I was preaching about this passage. There cannot be shadows unless there's light coming from somewhere. I never thought about this. And shadows cannot hurt you. There's no substance to their immaterial. They may terrify us, they may scare us, but they cannot harm you. And if there's light coming from somewhere, it means the light can lead us out of there. And of course, uh, I want to put this picture up here. I was given to this picture by, now you probably can't see this because it's not big enough, but um, 
I was given this picture, this painting a few years ago, and it's a picture of a shepherd who I think is Jesus Christ in the Wadi Kelt, in that valley, and he's there out looking up the sheep, calling out to them while this light is behind him, shining on him. And where there are shadows, there's always light. And it reminds me of what Jesus says. I put the passage up here. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. And that is an encouraging thought, isn't it not? And when it comes to the valley, also let me just add here. Again, easy to miss this. Let me put this passage up here. Uh, notice it says, though I walk through the valley, through it. So just in case for people like me, you have to, I have to dumb this down for myself, okay? Uh, it means we don't set up camp there. The, 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 the walk in the valley does not lead into a cul-de-sac, all right? If we're walking through something, it means we're walking to something. And the question is, where is the shepherd taking us? And we know this because... <laughs> We know this because we know what the shepherds do. Even to this day, thousands of years later, when they're walking through that, he's, every single time the shepherds are taking them through this valley, it means he, they are leading the sheep to higher ground. They're leading to a place of safety. Somewhere better. Somewhere higher. Somewhere special. And what God does is he leads us through this valley that we don't fear because of it. Which is why he says, okay, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The idea is, it's been communicated here among many, is that the shepherd is not on top of the ridge shouting down, okay, I see you down there. You go that way, go this way, and I'll be waiting for you when you scale Everest and get up here. Okay, I'll be waiting for you. No, it says that the shepherd is down there with us. He's right beside us or right in front of us. You want someone with you that's in the darkness who can say, and this, let's put, this, let's put the, this is a foreshadow of Jesus Christ who says to us, uh, I have been through this valley before and I know the way out and I'll take you there. Someone like me who's, struggle in the past with uh, substance abuse decades ago, I will tell you the 12 steps, uh, it's incredibly, enormously impactful for people. Uh, if any of you ever struggled with this, you, you meet people and the people that really seem to speak truth in your life are the ones who've said to you before, listen, I know what it's like to be down in that pit. I know what it's like I know what it's like to be down. You feel like you're never going to be able to get out of this. And they, they may tell you, it may even tell you, listen, it may get worse, but I'm telling you, if you continue to follow, especially I'm talking here, Christian here, following up the shepherd, you will get out of this. You will, he will eventually lead you to higher ground. And when you realize that, okay, there is light, there is something behind the shadows, you can make it through anything. So David went to the valley of the shadow of death and the, the gospel here is Jesus Christ went right into death. And he says, I defeated the greatest enemy in human history. And so you don't need to be afraid. 
because I'll lead you out of this. Let me close with a couple of thoughts. Um, I'm close to several pastors in my community, uh, but really have some, it's been something of a ministry for me to reach out to other ministers in our community. So we have a, a accountability, one of my accountability groups, a Methodist minister, a Baptist minister, a non-denominational guy, a Pentecostal guy. He is awesome. <laughs> uh, we always get him to pray in the end because we know it's going to be lively. Uh, and back last year, one of these uh, ministers I was talking to, we went out to lunch and he was sharing with me, we all kind of knew about this, but he had a woman in his church, a wonderful woman in the community, uh, that she, um, she was dying of ovarian cancer. She was 40 years old. Wonderful, wonderful woman who had young children. It was very, it was very painful for a lot of us. And she was in this, uh, my friend's church. And he was sharing with us, because she was a wonderful believer, but you know, she shared privately with him that she was scared. And he went to see her a, a couple of weeks before she died. And he said he, he was reading a passage of scripture. And I'm sure I've read this before and I've heard it before, but I just forgotten it. But he, and I'll put it up here. God will send his angels and he will gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. And what Eric was communicating to me is the gospel tells us that the angels will come and take us into the presence of the Lord. And, he was, and what he was sharing with me over lunch was he went to see her. Um, her husband called him and said, it, she's really close. So he went over to see her and he was at the foot of her bed and she had not even moved in four days. I mean, many of you know, when you've watched people you love die of cancer, they just sleep away their last days. And she hasn't moved in four days. She hadn't said a word in four days. She hadn't opened her eyes in four days. So he was praying. He's at the foot of her bed. He was praying over her. And, and he was reading this passage that the angels come and they will gather you and take you to be where I am. And he said, suddenly she opened her eyes and she sat up in bed. She said she was just skinning bones in. She sat up in bed and she said, she, uh, he said this incredible smile and peace came over her entire face. And um, she reached out her arms like this. And Eric said, I thought she was, she was looking at me, but she was looking behind me. I thought her husband had come in the room and I looked back, there's nobody there. And she held on her arms and she said, look, they're all here. Eric said she, she lay back down. She took one big breath and she was gone. And Eric told me, I was like crying. And he said, what are you crying about? What a way to go, man. That's how I want to go. The Lord walks with us the shadows we won't stay in that place we're passing through it the one who has led us down the right path and protected us through all those dark nights will lead us out of the valley and David concludes this 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 great great incredible psalm here he says here surely your goodness and mercy have followed me all the days of my life we don't need to be afraid a few weeks ago, we had a woman in our church, uh, 
one of my wife had one of her friends, uh, she's had a huge influence on her. Some of you may know her, Terry Lee Cobble came to speak at our church and uh, she was talking about this passage. I'm like, oh my gosh, she talked about the passage I've been teaching on. And she made an observation that I had missed again for years. She said, you know, the idea is that last passage, surely your goodness and mercy will follow me. The idea is if we're we're following the shepherd and he's in front of us, if we're following the shepherd, guess what's behind us? His goodness and mercy. He's beside us, he's in front of us, he's beside us, behind us, which means God is always around us. His goodness and mercy are right there nipping at our heels like a couple of hound dogs. Everywhere I go, your goodness and mercy are following me. But what then? When the days of my life are over and my life has come to an end, what then? It says here, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In the glorious blazing light of his presence. There is a reason why the 23rd Psalm is the most revered passage probably in all the Bible because it has brought strength and hope to comfort to so many millions of people. When Jesus takes you by the hand, he keeps you tight and he's leading us to somewhere greater. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, may we continually follow after your voice, even in times of great darkness and trial. And help us, Lord, to be more grateful for the bread you give us on a daily basis. Because you give us just what we need to get through this day. And we thank you, Lord, for you made it possible for us to know your grace and glory in the valley. And because of that, so many of us, so many of us have walked with you so many years. Help us, Lord, to continue to follow after you. And those of in here that are struggling, those that are they're hurting this morning, we come before your table here this morning. As we walk through our own valley, we walk into your light, into your, gla- your blazing presence. As we open up our hands, help us open up our hearts that you might touch us and your light might come into our hearts and change us. That we might leave here redeemed, renewed, change people. It's in your name we ask and pray these things. Amen.